Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school. Rock school with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. September 26, 1969, the Beatles released Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Why do we care about Maxwell's Silver Hammer so specifically? My son's huh? name. That's right. You gave me the opportunity to name the boy, and I named it after a Beatles song. How about that? Go ahead. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show right here on the Rock School Radio Network. 17 stations strong, broadcasting from the campus Southeastern Louisiana University, which, by the way, is actually my home studio. We're broadcasting from the campus, but we recorded here at the home studio. Yeah, and what are those call letters? Uh, the, the the home studio? No. W-J-O-E, baby. Oh, That's how about the campus? Uh, oh, KSLU. Yeah, Southeastern Louisiana University. You got it all in, see? That's right. I'm Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. Well, Tammy Burns, here's the thing. How many shows have I had that have sort of spawned themselves after a discussion of audio I've had with someone? I mean, there's been a ton of them. Oh, they all birthed little little audio devils. That's right. Every single one of them. One of my friends made the statement to me that the first song that was recorded with guitar distortion, that stuff that made Beavis and Butthead go... Yeah. Yeah. The first song, he made this statement that the first song recorded with uh, guitar distortion was Rocket 88 which was by the Ike Turner Band, but because of contractual agreements on Sun Records, they couldn't do it as the Ike Turner Band. And I looked at him and I said, no, it's not even close. That's that's not even anywhere near the first it's way one. way too late, right? That's way too late. And he said, no, no, come on. People didn't have distortion before that. Oh, come on now. To which I said to him, what are you talking about? Because Rocket 88 was done because a cone was you know out of shape because water dripped on it. A guitarist by the name of Willie Kazart had his amplifier inside of a trunk and then water dripped onto it, which altered the size of the uh, the speaker comb. So every time it would play, you had a little bit of distortion, right. which was a neat little effect and a little bit more rock and roll. To which he said, well, yeah, that's the first time that happened. To which I said, no, not even close. And then we got into the discussion of what are we talking about? Is it distortion? Is it overdrive? Is it fuzz? Is it what are you talking about? What was he talking about? Well, he just simply said distortion. And a lot of people use the word distortion to make an overriding discussion of that. When in reality, it's not right. So what we have to do right off the bat for me to prove him wrong, and that's what it's all about. I need to prove him wrong. So what I need to do is say to you, what are these different kinds of distortion? How are they created? And then make a suggestion on my part, what was the first song to have distortion? What do you think? A fair enough show? No, I'm going I'm to listen. Okay, it's a little technical, but on we go. You can listen and say, well, he's right or you're right, Joe. And let's be honest, when it's over, you'll say you're right, Joe. John Rockstone. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
if you're wondering why we didn't play Rocket 88 right out of the gate yeah. and, and play John 5 with David Lee Roth instead, the reason is I want to play Rocket 88 later in the show when I start to talk about the first time that distortion was used. So you can hear Rocket 88, and then next to it, you can hear what I consider the first distortion. And then you can make a decision over whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong. Good deal. But then again, I'm right. Uh. Um, let's move on. We talked about overdrive effects, a distortion effect. Here's the thing about a lot of pedals, the basic pedals, a phase, a flange, a distortion, that kind of thing. Yeah. What they are are a pedal that will recreate a mistake, an audio mistake, without hurting your amplifier. See, to get really good distortion, you just simply take your amplifier and turn that sucker up with everything it has. Right. To which people say, really, they would make an amplifier that you could, with its own knobs, turn it up high enough and it would hurt itself? Yeah, actually, you can. You drive something that hard all the time, you could very well hurt the amplifier. And people like Eddie Van Halen and other places, uh, other people, what they'll do is they'll hook it to a variac, which is a thing that changes the voltage meters and such, and you can hurt the amplifier. <laughs> but they, but they, they also build amplifiers, so they're okay with the destroying <laughs> them every time. I, I guess so. There's also the idea of what's known as the Schultz, as in Tom Schultz, the uh -huh. power soak. The thing about a guitar amplifier, or just a guitar if you want to talk about it, it really screams at a certain volume level. So when you record it, you have to turn it up so it is ripping loud, unless you use this thing called a power soak, which will allow you to go to a certain volume level, which is just ear splitting, and then pull it back to a viable level, and it will still have the same punch in the gut method of doing it now i think without I'm, destroying your uh, without destroying the amplifier, amplifier. right yeah. that's okay and i think i'm way off of topic on that okay, one. okay wait let me ask you this since sure we're there sure 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 okay all of these pedals sure that cost a lot of money well they're a hundred bucks depending on what you want to do well how many pedals do you need uh personally i don't play with any pedals but i have you own how many oh i don't own any to be honest oh, with you did you honey. sell them no 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 I, I i literally don't own them what i have is a modeling amplifier i got rid of them all my amplifier will model anything you want i guess if you want to be particular it did come with a three-step you know foot yeah. pedal but what that does is that changes between different types of amplifiers okay. so my my one on the left is modeled after a 1970 something marshall okay my one in the middle is a little tweed amplifier and the one on the far right is the same marshall but everything's turned up three steps gotcha so it, it doesn't really have anything to do with distortion exactly right okay. it's a modeling thing but in terms of distortion i said before that a lot of this the these pedals and such are simply created so you won't hurt the amplifier. That's what distortion was made for. The way distortion works is it puts approximately the same amount of distortion at any volume. Remember overdrive, you had to hit the strings hard and then they would plump. They would do something like that. A distortion pedal, think Metallica, would create the same amount of distortion. And how does it do it? Well, what it does is it amplifies the harmonics all the same. So they're not in harmony with each other. They're not in chorus with each other. Right. They're now fighting each other. And the fight is what makes that 
And by the way, those of you out there who are real audiophiles, I know I'm explaining this in Fisher Price terms. Well, look who you're dealing with here. That's what I'm interested in. Right. Now, the word distortion refers to any modification of a waveform or single. So technically, you could call phase a distortion. But we've learned distortion is a specific sound, and it's that Slash gets his distortion mostly from his amplifiers. Kurt Cobain used a Boss distortion pedal. Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead played with a Shredmaster. These pedals are everywhere. Shredmaster, I yeah. love that. Glenn Fry uses a Boss distortion pedal, and also Joe Satriani uses a distortion pedal. What's neat is Steve Vai will take a guitar and run it into a distortion pedal and then run it into an amplifier, which is also set to overdrive. So he has the two of them fighting each other. If you want to hear something like that, look for Steve Vai's song, Bad Horsey. And that's what you're listening to. Can I get that on YouTube? Oh, sure you can. It's right out there. There you go, Distortion on Rock School. Okay, coming out of Living Color and the Cult of Personality, using a distortion pedal. You can't get that same distortion sound out of an amplifier. It is definitely a pedal. It is, I don't know the digital is the correct way of saying it, but it is an alteration of the sound to give that by amplifying not only the signal, but amplifying the harmonics to make them pound into one another. Are there bands out there that use distortion on every single song? Yeah, the thing about it is if you listen to heavy metal bands, they Mm -hmm. have a lot of distortion. However, Kirk Hammett uses an overdrive pedal. It has to do with how you want it to sound. An overdrive is going to be a lot more warm, which is a nice way of saying a lot more mids. However, a distortion pedal, unless you go to your amplifier and turn your mids up to sort of offset it, it's going to have a lot more highs. It's going to be up in the highs and the presence level because it's playing around with harmonics. And harmonics are above the tone that's being created. And where distortion really sings, I mean, it's nice on a on a solo, don't get me wrong, but where uh, distortion really sings is chords, especially power chords. And it was Link Ray that said to us, look, play the root and the fifth, which is if you're a guitarist out there, you know it's the one where you play with the first finger and your third finger, and you only play two strings, but you play the bottom one. That's where distortion sings and dances. That's where it's really wonderful. Somewhere down in there. The other question I was going to ask you is, um, who does it better? Nobody. Is Is there somebody that you like that does distortion better than another person or another band oh i like a lot of people it's a purely subjective thing yeah i mean and the next one i'm going to talk about is fuzzbox and you know the song by the isley brothers who's that lady oh yeah yeah that's done with a fuzzbox and it's in in many people's eyes one of the consummate guitar sounds right you know 
So let's talk about Fuzzbox. It's, it's purely subjective. Okay, Fuzzbox or Fuzz Tone as people call it. A lot of people, again, overdrive, distortion, fuzz, they call it all the same thing. They say, okay, it's distortion. Well, it's not really. A Fuzzbox is a different machine altogether and it was really the first that as a machine tried to create the distortion. You had this little round thing. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but when I play harmonica on what I'm recording, yeah. I put a fuzz box on it. And I know what you're saying. You said you didn't have any pedals. I don't. It's all online. It's all digital. Gotcha. It's all stuff that I do that way. But a fuzz box creates what's known as a square wave. Remember I said in terms of amplifiers that the tone goes in or the amplified signal goes in and then is simply recreated louder? What a fuzz box does is recreate the same tone. And when you say square wave, when you look at a sound wave. It goes up and it comes down and it goes up and it comes down. You yeah. know it's rounded at the top I and do. it's rounded at the bottom? What the fuzz box does is amplifies it to the point where it goes past where it should be. So it's too high, it's too low. And when it goes too high and too low, it gets clipped, which means it gets cut off, which yep. means as it goes up, flat top. Goes down, flat bottom. Goes up, flat top goes down flat bottom square wave get it i get it the top is squared off that's what a fuzz box does uh, i'll be honest with you i never cared for a fuzz box sound but there are people out there like the guy who plays in the band i play in bill god he loves, he loves it, a he? fuzz box sound yep but look beauty is in the ear of the beholder i never cared for a fuzz box sound if you're if you're interested here are some that have a fuzz tone i can't get no satisfaction that was a fuzz tone in fact, it was an FS1 fuzz tone. The Ventures, 2,000 pound B, fuzz tone. Doors, when the music's over, fuzz tone. Uh, Iron Butterfly in a God of the Vita, fuzz tone. American Woman by Guess Who, fuzz tone. Foxy Lady, fuzz tone. Ooh, great song. Oh, yeah. In the 1960s, fuzz ruled. And the one we're going to play, Yardbirds, Heart Full of Soul. It's a fuzz tone that's doing it. It's... I don't know how to say it. It doesn't have as much bite and it just, but to me, it doesn't have enough, I don't know how to say it, grunt. It doesn't have enough strength to it. I never liked the fuzz tone. Square waves, man. No concerns. Here you go. Yardbirds on Rock School. <laughs> Coming into the first break here on Rock School. Now, we've talked about overdrive. We've talked about distortion. We've talked about a fuzz box. The other thing, if you're a guitarist, you need to be worried about, I guess a bassist could be, and I'm assuming a keyboardist could be as well. John Lord used to play with a lot of distortion when he would play his solos. But you need to be worried about a tube amp 
versus a solid state amp versus a modeling amp. Oh my gosh. Have right. I heard you discuss this about a million times? Yeah, this gets loopy. A tube amplifier, what happens is the amplification comes from, you'll never guess, but tubes. And what they do is they heat up, forcing positive electrons off the coil and onto a plate. And that plate's output is then captured and the signal is produced as it's amplified. Many people, including me, will say it's a warmer sound, it's a nicer sound, it's a better sound, it's all these different things. The problem is it is darn expensive because those tubes wear out. You got to replace it when it breaks, That's right? right. And, and they're not exactly tough amplifiers. Mm -hmm. Tubes are made of glass. Yeah. And they will crack. They will do nasty things. And it's a lot of money to keep that thing up. You can then have what's known as a solid state amplifier, which is just that. Uh, all of the amplification is done by a series of transistors, and you could roll these things down a flight of stairs, and they'll be just fine. Do they sound like regular amplifiers? Again, beauty's in the ear of the beholder. You have to make the statement, yes, I like it, no, I don't like it. And then for the most part, if you talk to another human being, they're gonna say, you're full of it. I, I don't hear what you hear. It's like wine tasting. <laughs> You know what I mean? For the longest time, I had a Roland Twin 12. Yeah. And it was one of the first solid-state amplifiers, at least that I had ever seen. I'm mm -hmm. sure there were ones before it. But I bought it, and it was ridiculously heavy. If you remember, I installed casters on the bottom oh, yeah. of it. This thing was ridiculous. But I thought the sound was wonderful. Other people told me, uh, it's too treble, it's too this, it's not warm enough. Okay, fine. Yeah, you wish you had it today, huh? I do, I wish I had it. And then the last one is the modeling amplifier, which is what I use. It's a, an amplifier that modulates a signal. It emulates what something looks like. You can go all the way from what I have, which is a little Fender Mustang, 100 watt Fender Mustang, which you can dial in numerous different effects all the way to a line six amplifier which will recreate a specific head and then a specific cabinet and then a specific this a specific that and it gets ridiculous if you use a line six guitar or what's known as a parker fly you don't even have a, a pickup what you have is a piezoelectric element that is, uh, uh, which is holding on to the, the vibration of the string. The vibration of the string is then digitally turned into a signal and off it goes. Uh, Joni Mitchell? Yeah. Joni Mitchell plays a Parker Fly. She has all kinds of different tunings as she plays live. And all she has to do is click on a, you know, a little foot pedal right. and it will change her tunings because once they have the vibration of the strings, mm -hmm. turn it into anything you want. This is the reason I can never buy you an amplifier for no, a gift. Uh -uh. No. It is so mm -hmm. personal. Yeah. Every time I go in guitar, what's the, what's the big guitar place? Uh, guitar Center. Yeah. Guitar uh -huh. Center. They right. look so cool, man. All they the do. amps from what, the 1960s and 50s with the the beautiful cases on the outside? Sure. And it's all I can do. I go over there into the used amp section. Yeah, to pick one up. Oh, don't buy I, me I one. I want to buy you like 10. No, don't buy me one. I don't. I, I like my modeling amplifier. It does everything I want it to do. What's it, even it's neater. It's not that attractive. <laughs> what's even neater is the tubes. You have a tube amplifier. They now have tubes where you plug them in. They have lights 
shining up on them. So the tubes glow blue or Ooh. pink or orange or whatever you well, want it to. check that out. It's ridiculous. How much money do you want to spend? We'll sell you the amplifier. But we're still not to the point. What is the first song that had distortion in it? And out of the break, we'll play you the one that my buddy thought about, which is Rocket 88. We're back in a minute here on Rock School. Out of the break, the whole reason for the show was a discussion with a buddy of mine, and he made the statement, as a lot of people do, what was the first song to contain distortion? Let's not fight about what we're talking about, because the concept of distortion can be a multitude of different things. So let's just go with the concept of that additional yep, that's on, it. Right on top of the sound, how it's gotten immaterial. What was the first song? Well, back in 1951 in Sun Studios, and by the way, it was released on Chess Records to begin with, a guy named Willie Kazart brought his amplifier, and apparently water had dripped on the cone, which altered the shape of the cone. That's uh-huh. sort of the shell, the clam-looking thing that shoots forward right. in order to create a sound wave. Poor Willie, huh? Well, right. Uh, it, it, it's Rocket 88. It's supposed to be by Jackie Brenston and his Delta Cats, but in reality, it's Ike Turner's band. It just was some sort of contractual thing that stopped them from using it. Now, is it distortion? Well, that's up to you. The sound is distorted, but is it distortion? The cone was warped. That means the sound was altered on purpose. And I'm putting that in the same category as the kinks using a razor to slash it their head. wasn't altered on purpose. He did not want the water to drip on it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I'm putting it personally inside of that same category. The slicing, okay. the link ray putting holes into All his right. amplifier Do what cone. you got to do. Yep. Right. Yep. So is it the first one, this distortion? I don't think so, but let's play it. You're going to hear it. Here you go. It's... Uh, Rocket 88 on Rock School. Did you hear that? Do you hear that on the guitar? Yeah, everybody does. And because it's all the way back, uh, 1951. I can hear anything you want me to hear. Just tell me what I'm hearing. (laughs) Because it's all the way back, 1951. A lot of people are of the opinion that's it. Well, it goes back farther. In fact, it goes back into the 40s. And I'm going to play something for you, and I'll tell you why. Make me believe, believe Mr. Man. That's the whole point. But first, uh, I'm Joe Burns. You are. I am Tammy Burns. Okay, let's do seven days, 70 seconds. These are the rock and roll dates. September 25, all the way through October 1st. Let's find out what happened on Monday. Go ahead. September 25th, 2001, Satellite Radio begins. Bob Marley is the first voice on XM. You know, that would be a great show, talking about the concept of satellite radio and how it came to be. 
September 26, 1969, the Beatles released Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Why do we care about Maxwell's Silver Hammer so specifically? My son's huh? name. That's right. You gave me the opportunity to name the boy, and I named it after a Beatles song. How about that? Go ahead. September 27, 1938, comedian Bob Hope premieres Thanks for the Memory on his radio show. September 28, 1967, Frank and Gail Zappa welcome their first child, Moon Unit Zappa. See what they named their kid? See? Uh-huh. Yeah. September 29, 1967, Mickey Hart joins the Grateful Dead. September 30, 1971, Isaac Hayes releases the theme from Shaft. And October 1, 1966, Jimi Hendrix makes his UK stage debut when he's pulled up with the group Cream. Not a lot of people could keep up with him, but I'll bet Eric Clapton gave him a run for his money. Before we get into what I think is the first song You're with distortion. Me. You're no, killing no, no, me. no. Let's play another one. This is from September of 1956. Paul Burleson was a guitarist with Johnny Burnett and the Rock and Roll Trio. And what he did instead of cutting into his cone or what have you, while the tubes were cool, by the way, tubes get really hot. Oh, I can imagine. While the I tubes, grew up with TV with tubes, mister. Right, gets hot. When what he did was take one of the tubes, pull it up, turn it a little bit, and dislodge it from where it was. No. And he found by doing that in 1956, you go, train kept a rolling on rock school. I called a train, I met a dame, she was a hipster. From New York City, and we trucked on down on that long. The train kept a rolling up on that long. The train kept a rolling up on that long with a heat and a hole. Well, I just couldn't let her go. Okay, coming out of train kept a rolling. Let's go back to 1946 because I'd like to tell you the name of the person or the band Please. that supposedly had the first use of distortion. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure what the song is. I'm giving you what I believe is the first song, but if you know the entire Bob Willis's Texas Playboys um, catalog, mm-hmm. you can probably go back a little later than me. There was a guy named Junior Bernard who played for Bob Willis's Texas Playboys. Here's the thing. In 1946, amplifiers were really just modified radios. I mean, they had heavier capacitors in them. Somebody went in and sort of re-soldered them together. The frying pan, which was the first really electric guitar made by Rickenbacker, was sold with this upgraded amp that was, again, a radio that they put bigger capacitors in, and it pushed about 10 Watts. Ten. Ten. One zero. Right. The company that made it was called Electrostring. But again, getting back to Junior Bernard, who was a guitarist for Bob Willis's Texas Playboy, what he did was controlled the way the strings sounded when he hit them hard. So again, he turned the preamp up, he turned the, the volume up, and he found this really neato mosquito balance point where if he just strummed normally, it was amplified. But if he hit it hard, it went... And what I'm going to play for you is the Bernard Blue Steel Guitar Stomp, okay? Yes. And you'll hear it. Now, those of you who know the Bob Willis's Texas Playboy catalog better than I do, and I really didn't know it very well, 
you may be able to find a song earlier than this, but as I looked through the music, I didn't find one earlier than this, 1946. So everyone wanted this sound, why? Because in my opinion, it's this guy, Junior Bernard, who played for the Texas Playboys, who has the first distortion. Listen, listen, and I will uh, hopefully change your mind off of Rocket 88. Sounds like this on Rock School. And by friends, here's Leon again with that old steel guitar. Take it, Leon. Take it away, boy. Take it. the second break. Am I right or am I wrong? You are right. I think so too. Especially Uh, on the low notes, right? Oh yeah, especially when he hits the low E. (laughs) And what he was doing was hurting his amplifier. He had that puppy turned up as high as he could he needed to be heard exactly that yeah that was one was of the a dance no that was one of the main problems with big bands you may have had a guitarist banjo player mandolin Who player could hear it though right? right you were sitting by a series of you know four trombones four trumpets five saxophones you didn't have a chance but once there was amplification then they were working. So what happens to it? Two years later, after that recording that you heard, Junior Bernard, and I know he called him by his first name in the song, but Junior Bernard's what he was known by. Two years later, in 1948, Leo Fender invents the super amp. Ready? 18 watts. Whoa. Now, I know what you're saying. I mean, mine's 100 watts, but let's remember, we're back in the 1940s. So what he did was take these things that were really just modified radios and then he recreated something that its entire purpose was to recreate a guitar signal and he almost doubled the sound exactly from the from right. the original one right from 10 to 20 and you say to yourself you know who goes oh, 18 yeah but you say to yourself who cares 20 watts look you got to you can't lay today over history right they didn't have the ability for a hundred watts or if they did they didn't understand the technology so at that time it was the monster and what was what was really neat about it was fender's amplifier was different because it was built to be loud and the whole purpose was to recreate that junior bernard sound people wanted that so what happened was fender then took it and upgraded it and created a 50 watt amplifier that everybody wanted the jump from 18 to 50 in the right in the world of of amplification to the people who were playing back then that was ridiculous 50 watts who needs 50 (laughs) watts are you kidding me tom schultz's systems go out at like 600 watts but at that time 50 watts was a monster. And even today, a lot of people just play out of 50 watt amplifiers. It runs a little 10 or 12 inch speaker. 
put a microphone in front of it, and ta-da, you have it done. Who's listening to us? I, I think I missed those radio stations in you the first did. break. Give it me both was, of them. Uh, KSCL in Shreveport. That's and right. KSRQ in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. Okay, there you go. Now we're going to come back, tell you a little bit more about where all this came from, because now we have the one that was created by the amplifier. What about the first one that was created by a pedal? Because that matters. It's the concept of a digital or an analog recreation of the sound. It's not just overdriving the amp. It's not overdrive. Now we need to create distortion. Okay? So we'll be back in a minute here on Rock School. You know, in the last break, I talked about in 1948 that Leo Fender invented the super amp, 18 watts, and then people drove it. But then later he created the 50-watt amp. Uh Look this up. I don't have time to play it, but it's by a guy named Gory Carter. You'll find this on YouTube. Gory Carter, you might just find him under the Hepcats, H-E-P-C-A-T-S. Listen for the song Rock a While. He drove this Fender 50, which is was or was the new 50-watt amplifier from Fender, right. but pulled back the volume so it was more fuzz than distortion. And a lot of people give this guy, Gory Carter, the moniker of first creating fuzz. That's up to you whether you believe it or not. No, I'm not playing it because it doesn't quite fit in what we're talking about. So I, I think... I've already proven that it was all the way back in the 1940s where distortion was being done, and it had to do with taking this 10-watt amplifier and just overdriving it so it would when you played it. Okay, who was the first to do it with a pedal? A lot of people say it's Keith Richards in Satisfaction. Hmm, that's no. way too late, <laughs> way too late. A lot of people say it's also the Ventures who used a fuzz distortion pedal called the Fuzz Right. Uh, no, we can even go back farther. Let's go back to 1960. There was a guy who was an Arizona guitarist by the name of Casey, Al Casey. And he played on Sanford Clark's song, Go On Home. The thing he was using was a little pedal that you step on that altered the signal of the guitar before it arrived at the amplifier. His device, not not Al Casey's, but this guy who was a radio engineer in Phoenix, supposedly created the first you know, I keep saying digital, but in reality, it's analog, even though it's using right. capacitors and resistors and such. But supposedly, this radio engineer in Phoenix created this device, which was used by Al Casey, which on this song by Sanford Clark's Go On Home, created... And that's back in 1960, long before Keith Richards. Let's listen to it, and you tell me if I'm right or not. Sounds like this on Rock School. Oh, well, you say you're gonna cut me, put me six feet under. Better listen to me, buddy, to what I've got to say. Just walk away. Better go home and throw that blade away. 
So what do you think? Is it Al Casey on guitar? Did you hear all the distortion? Oh, I can hear it. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially right at the beginning when it's at, it's sort of in a, uh, a halftime. And then once it falls down, you kind of miss it a little bit when it goes back to the halftime. Well, and his story makes a lot, a lot of sense. Because radio guys back then... Used right. to do a lot of engineering type things in the oh, radio sure. station. I mean, you had to do yeah. everything. Yeah, you had to keep the radio station on the air. Well, yeah. I can't tell you how many times when you and I were first dating, you know, I was asked to go out to my car and grab my soldering iron because things had to had to work. I never knew a guy who could even solder until I met you, <laughs> and then you told me all of the stuff that you had fixed at radio stations. You know, the problem is I think I've sucked in a little bit too much soldering smoke. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that, I think that's the that problem. Is that the problem? Yeah. In 1961, a year after, a guy named Grady Martin used a preamp with an overdrive to do Marty Robbins' Don't Worry. Is that the next one? I don't know. The thing is, most people suggest the Ventures also had the first fuzz box on 2000 Pound B. Uh, I think I'll finish with that one. Uh, Noki Edwards was the guitarist, and what he did is he employed a distortion pedal called the Fuzz Right. A guy named Red Rhodes came up with the design. And by the way, you can still buy the, the Fuzz Right today. They have recreated the original circuitry inside of it. If you want to sound like the Ventures, you can. Hey, that's, you know what? That's yeah. all you guitar guys do. I know. You don't I know. create I know. anything new today. All you're trying to do is sound like somebody from yesteryear, right? Yeah, but here's the thing. A guy named Billy Strange worked on Anne Margaret's 1961 single, I Just Don't Understand, and it used a fuzz box, which was a year before 2000 Pound B by the Ventures. So which one is it? Here's the, you know, come on. There is no correct answer. There is what you think it should be. But I know for a fact that the first distorted guitar was simply not Rocket 88. So there you go. That's Ooh. what I'm going to do. I, 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 you know what? I, I was in an argument with you somebody. You just dropped your mic. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I got to win the argument. So I said I was going to play 2,000 pound B, but the thing that goes beforehand... I'll be honest with you, I'd really rather play Keith Richards' Satisfaction. Why? Because he is with a... a here's, what, here's what's neat about Satisfaction. I want you to listen to it. When you first hear the guitar, it is a clean signal. And I want you to listen for this. Right before it goes into the chorus, I can't get... No. Listen closely. There's a click. This was the problem with early foot pedals. The click yeah. to turn it on and turn it off yes. went through the signal. <laughs> so listen closely to satisfaction. right bef And it happens every time. Right before Keith Richards, well, I guess Mick Jagger, sings, I can't get no, da-da-da. Uh -huh. Listen closely. There's a click. Now, you can also hear it if you know where it is at the end of the chorus, click, it's off. Okay. But right at the beginning of the chorus, click. And okay. on it comes. All right. And I'm telling you, you can hear it. Now you're hearing so, things. No, I'm not. I've played it for people when their mouths All have right, hit I'm, the floor. I'm going to listen. Okay, Do it. we're Do done. It. We got we got to stop. Uh, we're running out of time. So uh, I, I know I said 2,000 pound B. If there's more time left at the end of the song, I'll play it. But satisfaction is really the one everyone goes, oh, that's got to be the first. It's not, but ain't that a neat thing to see? So here you go. Keith Richards and uh, the Rolling Stones. I'm Joe Burns. I am Tammy Burns. I can't get no satisfaction. Listen, right before the course, click. All right, class is dismissed. Mm -hmm.